All right, all right, all right. My name is Darian. I'm back for another week of horror bullshit coming right to your face holes. It's another solo show <laughs> extravaganza. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's just me again because apparently I have alienated all of my friends. So I think this is uh, this is what I'm doing from now on. <laughs> That's fine. I don't care. I don't even care anymore. You guys are still listening, so apparently I haven't pissed you off yet. At least that I know of. <clears throat> yeah, it's just me, inmates. What's uh, what's going on, guys? What's up with you? Uh, had a pretty boring week. I'm very tired tonight. I'll be honest with you. I ran four miles. The weather here in northern Nevada is unseasonably hot. It's like got into the mid-60s today. So I thought I better get myself out there and click some miles. I got about four miles in. And now, really, I just want to go back to bed at this point. But I'm going to power through, and I'm going to get you a horror show. I'm talking about blood-spattered bride here, people. Okay? Yeah, that blood-spattered bride. (laughs) Has anybody else seen this movie except for me? No? Just me? That's what I thought. Well, I'm going to give you the the full treatment here in a few minutes. Also got listener mail and all the usual horse shit to get into. How about we start things off with some horror news, you maniacs? <laughs> horror news. Yes, sir. We got some things on the grill here. <clears throat> the grill? On the on the burners? Let's see what we got here. Um, It looks like Diablo Cody is shopping a Jennifer's Body sequel around. Um, I like, I like Jennifer's Body. Um, I, I guess if there had to be a Jennifer's Body sequel, you would have to go back to Diablo Cody, right? I mean, she did the original. It was very meta. It was very hip. Uh, what are we talking? 2009-ish, I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe earlier. Um, things have changed a lot <laughs> since then. So I don't know if I want her brand of horror meta commentary creeping up on me. She just made a werewolf movie, didn't she? Uh, I think it just came out this year. 
I'll, maybe I'll check that out before I cast judgment on this Jennifer. And then what are you going to do? You're going to bring Megan Fox back? She's like 50 now. I'm not saying she doesn't look good, but she's clearly not as hot as she was uh, 15 years ago. So there's that. And she's married to Machine Gun Kelly, which I know a lot of people don't like, myself included. So that's going to affect your sales. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm talking myself out of the Jennifer's Body sequel. But we'll check it. We'll check it out when it comes out. And it couldn't be that bad, right? Uh, looks like trailers are up for the old ones. Uh, I watched the trailers. They look pretty good. It's a uh, it's a HP Lovecraft story. It looked like a limited budget from what I saw from the trailers, and a lot of practical effects. <clears throat> now, if we're talking HP Lovecraft, which we obviously are, uh. You you got you gotta you you kind of have to have the special effects budget. So, I mean, if you're just gonna do a bunch of foam tentacles and flopping around and shit, that, I mean, it could be worse. It could be all CGI like Dagon. Remember that? That was crap. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but that was like cutting edge CGI from 2003. And watching it now, you gotta admit it looks like crap. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, the Deep Ones wasn't bad. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. That one was uh, sparing. Uh, but now that I bring up the Deep Ones, I remember that piece of shit Cthulhu thing they threw at us at the very end. That was stupid. That looked like an NCAA mascot. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll probably check it out. I'm a, I'm a Lovecraft guy, so we'll see how this looks. Uh, speaking of Terrors at Sea... Last Voyage of the Demeter is going to hit streaming uh, next month. So you probably find it on at least Amazon Prime. Maybe pop up on a fucking Tubi or something. Who knows? It'll be out there. Uh, I'm excited. I still have not seen that. I've heard good things, though. So I'm excited for that one. What else we got here? Carl Urban has confirmed that Mortal Kombat 2 has wrapped production. I had to sneeze there. Okay. Uh, so we got Carl Urban playing Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, I don't know about that shit, man. Um, unless we're gonna pick up with, like, a 45-year-old Johnny Cage and go with that. I mean, that Mortal Kombat, the new movie, is, like, not really following the, the, the video game storyline that closely, you know? It's, like, nodding to it periodically but that's about it you're basically looking at name recognition um i like the i like the first one the one that came out in 2020 i thought that was pretty good uh i'm excited to see where they go from here there was some problems though like jacks with his little tiny arms his little pterodactyl robot arms that he had for a say that was kind of dumb right um a lot of people said that uh kano pretty much carried the whole movie I'm not disagreeing with that. It's it's a very real possibility. All in all, though, I didn't think it was a bad show. And I'm a, enough of a Mortal Kombat geek that I can, you know, forgive the creative liberties. So I'll check it out. I'm into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it. Uh, lastly, it looks like Joe Lynch's Suitable Flesh is getting a VHS re- release. Uh, pre-order it at WitterEntertainment.com. Now, I'm going to get into Suitable Flesh. That's going to come up in the what are you looking at department. But uh, I don't know what VHS tapes are going for these days. 
But I, I don't know, man. Like, my man Jason Harrell, he's very much into retro media. Not sure why, but it's his jam. And I love him for it. Not my gig. You know, I got, I want to, I want to see the clarity. I want to see all of Linnea Quigley's pockmarks. <laughs> Make it so I can't beat off to her anymore. I don't know. I don't know, man. But uh, I don't know why we would want, I, it's a very early 90s style movie. I'll give you that much. And it, uh, if you're a VHS collector, that's, there you go. It's uh, suitable flesh. So there, there you have it. Winterentertainment.com is where you find that. All right, that's all I got on the horror news. Uh, I think it's time for some listener mail then. Listener mail. Yeah, buddy. What do we got here? Let's start things off with an email. All the way from Sydney, Australia. Here comes Tim. Hello, Tim. Uh, Subject line, let's go rawhead. What's up, Darian? Hope you're well this week. And if anyone else shows up, I hope they are well as well. I'm fine, Tim. I'm just tired. And I know that I sound tired. I am going to limp my way through this show. And I will get you your motherfucking podcast, whether you want it or not, son of a bitch. Terradome, dude, it's Rawhead Rex. And what? Dude, it's Rawhead. Rex has this in the bag. You're, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Also, D, are you arachnophobia? Gotcha. I cannot think of any drug horror films, so no meat hook for me. Sorry. Much love to you all. Tim, right on, Tim. Uh, you got me. I was arachnophobia. Uh, well done there, and I'm going to put you down for two votes for Rawhead Rex. Yeah, buddy. Right on, Tim. Thanks for uh, writing in, dude. Let's get over to the voicemail line. Here comes our main man in Alabama. Alan is in the house. Had room. What's up? What's up, Hope Alan? everybody's doing good. I'm just um, tired. I'll be fine. Enjoy the solo show. Yep. Uh, Terror Dome, can you see any curve? All righty. Uh, Meat Hook. I really think about like drug horror movies. I guess I like, go Bliss. Yeah. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, I would call that and, a horror movie. Um, <clears throat> honestly, that's I really haven't seen a lot. Um, you probably have. You probably just didn't think of uh, anyway. As drug horror. Uh, Mr. Darian, are you arachnophobia? You got me. Let's see, this week I uh, got a week. Charles Screenbox again because I wanted to watch this movie called Project Wolf Hunting. Yeah, what do you think? That is badass. Okay. I watched that. I watched The Barn 2. actually enjoyed it. I like The Barn 2. And I watched Trigger Treat because that is on Screenbox right now. That movie is so good. Anyway, that's all I got. Hope everybody's doing good. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Right on. Thanks for calling in, Alan. I'm going to put you down for Sammy. You probably have seen some drug horror movies. You just didn't think of them as horror movies with drugs in them. Requiem for a Dream, though, dude. I don't... Anybody who says that's not a horror movie is smoking crack. No pun intended. Uh, Some of the fucking shit that goes down in that movie. Ah! Was that your arm? That was your arm! Don't do that! Is that a double-sided dildo? No! It's nasty. Right on, Alan. 
thanks for calling in. I keep flirting with the fucking scream box. Um, I don't know, dude. I, you know what? You know what pisses me off about scream box, and this has really nothing to do with scream box, actually. But uh, bloody disgusting became part owners of scream box, so. Anything that's on Screenbox is going to get a glowing review from Bloody Disgusting. Shocking, I know. And when you go to Bloody Disgusting, you have to swim through a sea of Screenbox pop-ups before you can actually look at any news or anything. So I'm almost not subscribing or even doing the trial offer just out of, out of spite, motherfuckers. How about that? Fuck you guys. I don't know why I'm so bitter about that. Right on, Alan. Thanks for calling in. Let's get down to Southern California. Here comes Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey-o! Hey-o! Padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? It's just me. We hope everyone is doing well. I'm all right. I wanted to get in real quick there uh, on the terror. Yeah, what do you we think? We have uh, Rawhead Rex and uh, Sammy. Sammy Kerr. And uh, you know what? I'm going to put this one to... Uh, Old boy Rawhead. I think, uh, <laughs> right. I think he's actually going to go on to be the champion of this Let's one. Let's do here. it. And he's going to snatch that mullet and that bedazzled, tassel-wearing, that ragged of Skippy and uh, shirt. take this one all the way. All righty. So put me down for, um, for Rawhead. Right? You got it, buddy. Uh, on the educating department, I believe you're arachnophobia. You got it. That's right. Keep them basic. Keep them easy. Uh, like uh, I like uh, that. Just for you. Uh, That's how I'm going to roll. Oh, speaking of last week, though, huh. um, you were defending uh, Rob Zombie. Okay, yeah. And I was totally in agreement with you, man. Oh, cool. You like you like Rob Zombie. You like White Zombie. Sure. So you want to like his flicks. And I'm yeah. in complete agreement with you. I, I, I feel that way, and I feel kind of like, kind of like you had mentioned, like a, a Rob Zombie apologist. Sure. But I do think you stepped over the line okay. trying to defend Halloween too. That was just a fucking piece of shit. You uh, gotta accept it and move on. Okay. I, I don't. I can't think of a single fucking redeeming quality on that one. Um. The one thing that would have been decent for them to have done is huh. to at least fucking make it a short flick. If it's going to be that uh, that so shitty, like two at least hours. Fucking make it a. I don't know. That one just. I don't think there's no defending that one. Uh, well, anyway. Um. What else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So on the what are you looking at department, uh, I got to catch this flick called uh, huh. In It Wake. Okay. It's low budget as hell. Okay. It's not that great. In It's um, Wake. I hate saying bad things about, like, obvious low budget flicks. It's well, like, hey, what the fuck you expect? You know, yeah. you don't have no money. Right. Very evident there's no money. Uh, you don't get to see, you know, the quote-unquote monster until uh, the very end of the flick, and then when you do... You realize that you probably shouldn't have seen it <laughs> the whole fucking time. Oh, man. I don't know. It's a shorter flick. I said, fuck it. Let's give it a chance. The okay. uh, little thumbnail looks badass. Okay. I think that's as good as it gets. Uh, I also got to catch uh, the Meg 2. Yeah. Man, I didn't think the first one was that great, but this one, man, this one was fucking bad. That bad, huh? How come they're not like just focusing on the fucking shark? How come we always got to have, like, a side villain running around. Well, yeah. Uh, to fucking know the humans will fight the humans now. Let's just fucking focus on the shark, man. What the fuck? Well, that's something the same. else that came up, and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Okay. One here. Um, hmm. Oh, you got GP. 
He got GP'd, as he is wont to do. So, a couple of things there, Mr. Hardy. <clears throat> I'm not... I, I get it. You know, um, Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, uh, universally maligned. And with good reason, I fully admit that. Now, what I will say is much like the uh, Nightmare on Elm, the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake, is that I didn't think it was that bad. It's bad, sure. There are many bad horror movies that I absolutely adore. In fact, one of my favorites of all time, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama. Don't know why I love it, but I do. <laughs> uh, can't, other than, you know, uh, lots of boobs and Hal Halverson, um, I can't, I can't give you a, a redeeming quality about it other than the fact that I like it and I can't tell you why everybody will shit all over it all day and I'll still be like, ah, it's one of my favorites. Same thing with Halloween too, man. Uh, is it bad? Yes, of course. Is it that bad? Is it offensively bad? I don't think so. I think Rob Zombie just wanted to go, um, well, first off, I think he, he, they were just firing fucking $100 bills at him out of a one of those t-shirt cannons that you see at the Lakers game. Secondly, uh, I don't think he really wanted to do a sequel to his Halloween, but he couldn't turn down that much money. So um, he he did it, and he thought he would try to go a different direction, and it just... It didn't, it didn't go the way we as horror fans wanted it to go. Um... It went in a very strange, uh, bearded Michael Myers eating out of garbage cans route, and that's just that. I can't, I can't really defend that part of it, but I didn't think it was that bad. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, what else are you talking about? Low budget horror and the the shitty special effects. I've always been a big fan of the less is more approach. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to show me every tentacle and every suction cup on the fucking thing. And this is this is kind of like the the downfall of just about every single werewolf movie ever. You know? It way too ambitious with the special effects, ends up looking like shit, no matter how good the movie was up to that transformation or up to the point where you actually see the werewolf. Once you see it, you're like, look at this fucking thing. It looks like a fucking St. Bernard or something, you know? And then from there on, you're like, ah, oh, fuck this. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm checked out. So why even show the werewolf or the, the uh, tentacled thing or whatever it was, you know, just keep, just keep it, uh, you know, keep what looks good. And if you can't show what you want to show the way you want to show it, then don't show anything, man. Less is more. That's my approach. All right. Uh, he called back. He got GP'd. You know he did. G motherfucking P. Oh, hell, hell yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I was saying about the Meg, too. You know, like when you're watching, a, like, you hear about a movie, like, and they say, oh, you know, they had to change this for China. Yeah, yeah. Or they put this, this bit in there because they wanted the movie to do well in China or whatever. Oh, yeah. Fuck, has there ever been a movie where you haven't heard that but you thought to yourself, "Oh yeah, this this one here, this is they're totally trying to appeal to the to the Chinese market because <laughs> of this." I don't know if this makes me sound like a fucking asshole or whatever. No, no. But when I was watching Meg Two, I was like, 
I think this is fucking kind of they're they're trying to appeal to that to that market there. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but it sure gave me that fucking feeling. I get you. Uh, anyway, on to the uh, fucking meat hooks there. Drug slicks. I'll try and go fast here. I know I'm fucking droning on. No, that. you're fine. I don't know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. Okay. Darian. So uh, why don't we go with uh, fucking Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You know, they had oh, the yeah. uh, Prohypnol, Seraphil, yeah, whatever the fuck it was. You know, they Hypnosil, the dream. I think. supposed to make them not fucking dream. Yeah, buddy. So that was a plot point there. Sure. And uh, I don't know fucking... What about uh, Cabin in the Woods when they explain how they manipulate the drug to fucking make them more horny so yeah. they fuck more or whatever? <laughs> and then let me just that. throw in Club Dread. Uh, Club Dread, the sure. Lizard flick. If you haven't seen it, man, this is a totally underrated, great fucking flick. Horror comedy. Um, I don't want to say what the drug part is because it kind of I know gives exactly away what you're talking about. Flick, but anybody who hasn't. Seeing it, man. Give you that, should check give it that out. movie a shot, especially yeah. if you like uh, broken lizard stuff. I mean, you already like horror movies. It's a broken lizard horror flick. It's a broken lizard slasher. Slasher, I would say, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I love that flick. Anyway, I've been droning on long enough. Hope all is well. Love you like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Thanks for calling in, my man. Yeah, it's uh, it's dumb. <laughs> It's stupid as hell. It's it's hilarious though if you haven't seen it. It's got Bill Paxton in it, uh, so Jason probably would not watch it ever. But I, it's not it's not bad. It's you got that uh, adolescent humor that somehow always always hits home runs, and then you got uh, dead bodies appearing all over the island. It's great. Uh, that's it on the listener mail, my friends. Thank you very much, Tom Hardy, Tim, and Alan. You guys are gentlemen and scholars. And you're very attractive. Did I tell you that? That's a it's a it's a compliment. Um, I guess it's time to get into a movie, shall we? Yes, we shall. ¿Es la misma mujer del retrato? ¿Cómo murió? No murió. La encontraron cubierta de sangre, vestida de novia, junto al cadáver de su marido. Lo mató la misma noche de bodas. ¿Por qué? Porque trató de imponerle prácticas insoportables. Fíjate, solo la fecha de nacimiento. Esperaron dos años antes de darle sepultura, pero jamás consiguieron hacerle soltar el puñal. entró en la habitación la vi me habló y dijo esto las pesadillas angustiosas son siempre la expresión de un poderoso deseo 
¿Pusiste el puñal en la cama? No, está mintiendo. Existe en la hembra humana una innegable tendencia agresiva contra el hombre que ha causado la pérdida de su virginidad. Ay, ay, ay. Ay. Yo no te odio. Yo te quiero. ¿A ti te gusta que te hagan daño? Yo no te amo. Yo te odio. El odio y los deseos de venganza y muerte contra aquellas personas a las que mayor afecto tenemos en nuestra vida son manifestaciones frecuentes en los sueños. ¡Mátalo ahora! ¡Busca su razón! ¡Mátalo! ¡Mátalo! ¡Aniquila su maldita potencia! El enfrentamiento con la primera experiencia carnal es para ella un acontecimiento de suprema importancia, a la vez deseable y aborrecible. El fondo de agresividad excitado por esta contradicción se llama complejo de Judith. That's right, it's Blood Spattered Bride from 1972, you motherfuckers. <laughs> this one got 6.2 stars on IMDb. It stars Simon Andrew, uh, Maribel Martin, and Alexandra Bastedo. It's got a hard R rating. It's written and directed by Vicente Aranda. As you may have guessed, it is a Spanish film, although you can watch it uh, currently streaming on Tubi with an English dubbing. It's a bad, it's a bad English dubbing, inmates. Don't get your hopes up. It's pretty, pretty, uh, it's pretty rancid. But uh, this is a loose retelling of the Carmilla Karnstein saga. I don't know if you guys are familiar at all with that. Uh, Carmilla was written, I want to say, late 1800s. I've read the book. It basically details a French... Uh, aristocratic family on their way back from somewhere. They find this little girl uh, on the side of the road, and uh, she's all she's very sickly. So they take her in, and the little girl befriends their daughter, and then they kind of grow up together. But they kind of leapfrog each other. Like the little girl is very sickly when they pick her up. Then the daughter gets very sick, and the little girl gets better. And then uh, Carmela, Carmela's the little girl. And make, make a long story short, Carmela's a vampire. And that's that. And then uh, she basically infects the whole Karnstein family. And uh, now you have Carmela Karnstein. That, you'll, you'll hear that name pop up a lot in different vampire movies. There's a lot of Karnstein movies and Carmela movies and shit like that. Uh, this one is a erotic version of that, and it is uh, very 1970s erotic. By that, I mean there's a lot of fucking pubic hair in this movie, dudes. It's not to say it's a bad thing. I'm just telling you up front, 
there is some uh, some jungle warfare, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little thick around about the uh, the the crotch area. Anyway, uh, we start off with a newlywed couple, and they are on their way to a. They literally just got married. They're on their way to the honeymoon. They go to. I presume we're in Spain or somewhere in your. We're in Europe somewhere, and uh, they get to a very exciting resort. With uh, it's it's huge, and I assume it's got like a beach front thing or something going on. Uh, they pull up to the valet, and uh, the the husband gets out, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you go on inside. I'm gonna park the car." He's already got the room all booked, and the concierge comes down and helps the bride with her bag. We're gonna meet the bride. Her name is Susan. Uh, she is played by Maribel Martin. She's w- circa 1972. Is very attractive. <clears throat> to be honest with you, though, I don't know if she was legal age <laughs> to be appearing nude in movies of this nature, uh, especially given the subject matter. I don't know. But um, she's like, yeah, okay, great. So they go in, they get checked in. Uh, the husband is still parking the car. And uh, basically, th- okay, so things get a little weird right off the get-go. And I don't know if there's... Uh, if she's crazy or if she's having visions or what, but they get up to the uh, the hotel room and uh, she's up there by herself. She gets let in. She goes in. She like starts unpacking. She opens the closet and out pops a guy with a stocking on his head and she screams, but then he just kind of kicks her over onto the bed and then she kind of goes like paralyzed so he rips her wedding dress open, like from the neck, all the way down to the feet, and like exposed. And we're, I, I'm assuming we're looking at a raping, is what we're we're getting here, because and like you get to see her in her total nakedness, <coughs> and she screams and freaks out, and you're like, oh shit, there was a pervert hiding in her closet, so that's very scary. Uh, but then the husband comes up. And then when he comes into the room, she's just sitting on the edge of the bed perfectly fine, and her wedding dress is still intact. So I have to believe, I assume that that was like, uh, it was. It, it very well might have been a rape fantasy of hers, except that when the husband comes in, she's like, I don't want to stay here. And he's like, ah, shit. There goes our fucking honeymoon. We almost made it to the hat. We almost got completely checked in and she's already ruined it. Um, So I have to assume at this point that the rape did not in fact happen uh, because her dress was still intact. And in the initial attack, the dress got ripped all the way down. So her clothes were intact. Her hair wasn't messed up or anything. So I don't, uh, was it a fantasy was it some kind of a vision? I don't know. But the husband is like, ah, fuck. So uh, instead, they check out of the hotel, the the resort, and they load back up into his little uh, Mazda Miata or whatever that little tiny-ass car is, and they go driving back to his house. Now, this is a weird thing that they used to do in the 70s where we would pick up at the honeymoon and the bride and groom would act like they had never met or been even introduced before. We get some of that here. So he takes him he takes her back to his house, which is this huge palatial like estate castle kind of a situation. 
and they roll up and she's like, oh my God, your house is so big. Oh, look at the, you've got servants. Okay, this never came up before the, the wedding that he was loaded. You would think that you would have checked out his house before you married him. I don't know. Maybe there was some kind of a mail order bride or one of those fixed marriage things where her fucking dad sent her away. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe I'm asking too many questions. Uh, anyway, they get there. It's a, it's, it's kind of a, like very old, like uh, ivy growing up the walls. It's a castle, man. They go inside. It's huge. It's uh, there's a gardener that lives there, and then his 14 year old daughter Carol, who kind of hangs around, and then we also have like a maid or a. She acts more like a headmistress type of a lady. She's like bossing people around. So uh, that's who's there. They get inside. They go up to the uh, the master bedroom, and then they have sex. And they act like neither one of them has ever had sex before. They definitely haven't had sex with each other. They established that. She's like, oh, I should have let you touch me earlier. And he's like, no, you should have saved yourself for marriage. And she's like, but I've been with other men. And he's like, you should have saved yourself from me for marriage or something like that. <laughs> is that, I don't, I don't, I, the English dubbing in this is ridiculous. And to be honest, I kind of hope that there is something that got missed because a lot of this dialogue doesn't make a lot of sense. So we'll just have to go with it. Uh, they have sex. It's great. You get to see her uh, muff again and she's got some nice boobs. Um, you know, it's that 19, early 1970s style sex scene where uh, he lays down on top of her and then there's just a lot of smiling and moaning. <laughs> some some jazz flute coming in. <laughs> little uh, little smooth jazz flute coming in. <laughs> it's stupid. Why what what at what point did we in in human history did we find the jazz flute to be erotic in any way? If anybody comes at me, if I even hear a jazz flute like while I'm on hold or in a waiting room, it annoys the piss out of me. Am I the only one that that gets that vibe? It, it's almost like makes the hairs on the back of my neck. I hate it. I just hate it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I had to watch all these fucking stupid romance movies when I was a kid. All right, enough about me. So they have sex. It's great. Uh, next morning comes around. Uh, they bring uh, breakfast up. They have breakfast in bed. It's very romantic. Again, we get the, a lot of dialogue that... Uh, it seems like these two have never met, but now they're falling in love after they've already exchanged vows because they're like getting to know each other now, which is very weird. I don't know why that was a good idea. They go out for a walk to explore the grounds a little bit. Um, the uh, gardener has set up some traps. Uh, he catches bunnies and uh, kills them. He, him and uh, the husband go out looking, checking the traps, and they find a bunny in one of the traps, and the husband shoots it with a shotgun. I am 99% sure that that was an actual bunny that was stuck in a trap, and they actually blasted it with a shotgun. So this may very well fall into the trappings of a uh, cannibal holocaust. But to be fair... Um, it wasn't nearly as cute as a sea turtle or a uh, muskrat or a one of those little monkey things that got its face cut off. So there's that. I don't know. Um, 
uh, Carmel, not Carmela, uh, fucking uh, Susan goes out and kind of explores the woods on her own. And while she's out there walking around the woods, she happens upon a strange, la- a strange blonde lady uh, wearing like a flowing gown. And she's just kind of cruising around and she's like, hey, hey, what are you doing? But the blonde lady just walks off. So that's pretty creepy. Uh, come back, they meet back later, uh, at the castle and they, they're going to cook up these rabbits. That's very exciting. Um, after dinner, Susan is like, Hey, how about you show me around the castle here a little bit? He's like, yeah, sure. Uh, takes her down to the family crypt. So, you know, we're back in the arist- arist- aristocratic, aristocratic, <laughs> the aristocratic bloodline of and this is where we find out that this is actually the Karnstein family that she married into. Uh, we never get like a first name for the husband. They just refer to him as Mr. Karnstein. So we go down to the crypt and we start, you know, looking around and there's all the uh, the big oil paintings of the different uh, people in the Karnstein family. This is Lord Eric von Karnstein and that's Lord Seth von Karnstein. And this is Romulus von Karnstein. And then they go down to the crypt, because apparently uh, in this family, none of the ladies were painted. Only the men got the portraits. The ladies all, however, got to uh, be laid to rest in the family crypt, which is underneath the castle. So they go down there, and they find one of the, the paintings. There was a Mercalla Karnstein. Strange name, right? Mercalla and uh, her painting is down there, but the face has been cut out of it, which is pretty weird. Uh, she's like, what's up with that? I don't know. And she's blonde. You can tell from the the painting. Um, so, yeah, this was Mer- Mercola Karnstein. And they're kind of joking around. And Susan puts her face in the painting, you know, like one of those carnival cutout things where you can look like Superman. She's like, hey, look at me. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, whoa. If you knew Merca- who Mercola Karnstein was, you wouldn't do that. And then we get like um, a little backstory on Mercola, Mercola Karnstein. Uh, He basically breaks it down. She was like a Bath Elizabeth Bathory type, you know, draining the blood of the servants. Um, The local villagers thought she was a vampire, so eventually they rose up and killed her. Uh, But you know the. The blood draining continued after her death, so now they think she's a undead type vampire kind of a deal. It's all it, it's basically the same thing we've heard a thousand times. <clears throat> so that's all well and good. Now they go to bed that night, and we start with the weird dreams. Susan is having all these nutty dreams. Um, the first one entails Mercola like creeping around the castle and looking in her window. And then Susan wakes up and freaks out. Oh, oh she was staring at me. This lady from the woods. And he's like, what lady in the woods? I saw a lady in the woods today and she was, uh, you know, walking around. And then I just saw her looking in the window. It's like, no, honey, you were dreaming. You were dreaming. This goes on for a couple of nights. Eventually, the husband calls a doctor to come check her out. And the doctor is like, well... Yeah, uh, she's uh, a little dehydrated and she's a little nutty. So let's give her a sedative and maybe that'll, you know, a good night's sleep might help. So let's do that. So he injects her in the ass with something. (laughs) And by that, I mean with a hypodermic needle, you perverts. Don't don't be weird. Uh, And that kind of knocks her out. But then she just has more nutty dreams and stuff like that. So that's pretty creepy. And these dreams are getting worse and worse. 
Uh, at one point, she dreams that uh, Mercola, or excuse me, the b- weird blonde lady. If you haven't figured it out already, inmates, the weird blonde lady is Mercola. She is um, a vampire. And just outside of the castle, like a couple, you know, 500 meters away, is a ruined abbey. And uh, that's where Mercola sleeps during the day. And then she gets up and runs around and uh, basically harasses Susan. Uh, a lot of scary stuff with the animals and the blood and all that. Um, eventually, like the, the the apex of this is a nightmare in which uh, Susan wakes up in the middle of the night and staggers around. And then Mercola comes in a dream and hands her a, a dagger. And she's like, hey, take this dagger. It's for your protection. You're going to be the you're going to be the next one. And she's like, what the hell? And then when she wakes up, she's like, whoa. Another fucking nightmare. Oh, by the way, here's this dagger that the blonde chick gave me. And the husband's like, where did you get that dagger? And she, I told you that the blonde lady gave it to me uh, in my dream, and now I got it right here in my hand. So the husband's like, all right, you crazy bitch, give me that fucking knife. You probably found it somewhere, and now you're being real crazy. So he goes and hides the dagger. Um, next night, we have another nightmare, and then this time Mercola comes again, and uh, kind of like like guides Susan into stabbing the husband to death. But it's all just a dream sequence. And then Mercola drinks the blood and then she wakes up screaming, Oh my God, I thought I killed you. What? But no. It, yeah, I used that fucking dagger that I had the other day. And he's like, No, you didn't. I'm still alive. See? And she's like, Well, I know where you hid that dagger. It's in the desk downstairs. He's like, No, I didn't hide it there. And she's like, Let's go look. So they go down there and look. And they find the dagger in there. But he's like, Wait a minute. I never put the dagger in the desk. How did you know it was there? And she's like, I don't know either, but I know that it's that that's where it was. This is where we find out that Carol, the 14-year-old girl, the daughter of the um, gardener, is kind of working with Mercala, and she's like, uh, she's kind of like a daytime servant of Mercala. Although the daytime, nighttime thing kind of gets blown out of the water here in a second. So the husband is growing increasingly worried as Susan's nightmares get worse, and she keeps going on about this mysterious blonde lady. He has never seen Mercala. He's only seen pictures of her. I mean, like, up close and personal. Eventually, uh, Susan and Mercola meet in the woods, but Mercola introduces herself as Carmilla. Now, if you haven't already done the math, inmates, if you take all the letters in Mercola and you scramble them up, they'll end up spelling Carmilla. So she just, like, flipped the M and the C or something like that. Uh, shit, it's Carmilla Karnstein. She's a fucking vampire, man. You, you can't be hanging around with her. Well, she's pretty sexy, though. So there's that. Uh, so she's like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, okay. So you're Carmilla? Yeah, uh, where do you stay? Uh, she's like, oh, I, I'm kind of squatting in the ruins over there. <clears throat> oh, well, all right. Um, have fun with that. And then they kind of part ways. Now, the husband is real distraught about how nutty his wife is acting. So he goes for a walk on the beach. And this might be the dumbest fucking thing I've seen in a while. And this should be a testament to how horny uh, the Spanish people were in the early 70s. I think Spanish. I could be wrong. Uh, Might be Italian or something. But uh, he's walking along the beach, and the first thing he finds is a severed hand. Hand, dead, chopped off, laying in the sand. He's like, fuck me, that's a human hand. He keeps walking, and then he happens upon a snorkel sticking out of the sand 
just like the tip, like there's somebody buried under the sand. So he's like, ah, look at that. So he starts digging right there. And the next thing he, un, you know, uncovers is a scuba mask with two eyes in it. Like there's a person laying underneath the sand using the snorkel to breathe. So the eyes open and they're clearly female. So he's like, huh, what are you doing under the sand there? And she can't talk because she's got the snorkel in her mouth. So he's like, I'm going to dig you up. So he starts moving the sand around. And the next thing he uncovers naturally is two bare female breasts sticking right up out of the sand. (laughs) Oh, that is dumb. (laughs) I'm sorry. Two tits sticking right out of the sand. What are you going to do? If I had a nickel for every time I happened upon a set of tits sticking out of the sand up at Tahoe, man. I tell you what, <laughs> so uh, uh, because he's a gentleman and because his name isn't Darian, he doesn't lay there and play with him and suck on him, <laughs> which is exactly what I would do. I think that is, a, is that considered sexual assault? I think so. Um, <clears throat> instead, he like digs her out of the sand, puts a like a robe around her and gets her out of there. Gets her back to his car. It's, of course... Mercala slash Carmilla, and he's like, hey, uh, what, uh, what's the deal with you hiding under the sand there? And she's like, I don't know. I uh, was swimming, and then I woke up, and everything was dark. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to take you back to my place, and then we'll see about getting you to a hospital. we got to get some water and food in you. So he takes her back to the castle where she meets Susan. Of course, these two already know each other. It's Carmilla and Susan. They're like high-fiving each other. Uh, but Mercola is just like, I don't know where I am. I don't, he's like, can I call a doctor for you? Something? she's like, no, don't do that. Can I call your family for you? No, I don't, I don't have any family. Do you know your name? My name is Carmilla. Um, what, do you know where, do you know where you live? Do you know anything? I don't remember. (laughs) And then, uh, of course, Carmilla and Susan end up having a, lesbian situation that night but the husband kind of gets to watch so that's kind of hot too i guess um this goes on and on and then now the dream sequences are uh they're they involve bloodletting and uh carmella drinking susan's blood and susan drinking carmella's blood and basically uh what we find out is that carmella is wanting to transfer herself into Susan's body and become the next she'll still be Carmela Karnstein just in a new with a new hairdo a new body I guess new set of tits I don't know man I don't know why you would I thought the I thought Carmela was hotter than Susan to be honest with you uh but anyway that's the plan and in order to do that she has to like uh what she got to drink the, drink each other's blood a certain amount of times and then she has to kill off her husband um she has to, quote-unquote, destroy his masculinity. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going with that. I think that means she's got to either cut his dick off or something like that. Uh, so, Carmela's kind of coming and going as she pleases through the castle. And the husband wakes up a couple of times to find Susan gone in the middle of the night. And then he looks out the window and sees Susan and Carmela just kind of walking off into the woods. Next morning, he stays up. And Susan comes back and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing out there at night? And she's like, oh, it's, we just go out there and talk. And he's like, uh-huh, 
bullshit. Uh, looks at her neck, and she's got like a pronounced fang bites on her neck. And he's like, yeah, I knew it, you fucker. So he calls his doctor friend again. Doctor comes in. He's like, hey, man, um, I, this is going to sound crazy, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Karnstein, and we've got a, fam- a troubled family history, and I got this weird Carmilla lady showing up. It's definitely not Mercola Karnstein. Of course not. I'm not crazy. But this Carmilla lady is showing up, and she's kind of like bewitched Susan, and they're going out in the woods at night, and then they come back, and Susan's got bite marks on her neck. I'm not saying she's a vampire. And the doctor's like, okay, you fucking crazy guy. Clearly, Susan is just uh, dealing with stress of being isolated out here with you. And she found a friend. So now she wants to spend time with her friend. And the husband is like, well, yeah, but she just sleeps all day. And uh, they spends all night out in the woods. I hear, I hear like barking and howling and shit. And, uh, you know, what the fuck, man? So... He kind of half-assed convinces the doctor that there may be something going on with Susan. And about this time is when Carmela decides to fuck off. Uh, she doesn't really fuck off. She just goes back. She just leaves the castle and goes back to her ruined abbey. Uh, she's still walking around the woods at night in her flowing gown and shit, though. So there's that. Uh, the doctor's like, okay, I'm going to, because I'm your friend and because you're paying me a lot, I'm going to try to figure this out for you. So the doctor hides in the woods at night and watches Susan when she comes out. Susan comes out by herself, meets Carmela like out in the middle of the woods, and then they walk back to the abbey together. The doctor follows them real stealth-like. And uh, he basically gets wind of the big plan here. And this is where Carmela breaks the whole thing down. She's going to transfer her essence into Susan's body. Susan's going to become a vampire. It's going to be awesome. She has to denounce her relationship with her husband and all men, I believe. And uh, after that, she can be a full vampire and she'll have all the powers, but, uh, you know, she can't... It's just She's going to have to drink blood and she'll get fangs and all that shit. So that's great. Uh, the doctor's like, well, okay, this is you fucking nutsacks. So he goes back and tells the husband what he sees. And he's like, well, you know... Uh, Probably not like full. They're prob- they're, prob- they're not vampires, okay? Vampires don't exist, but they. Uh, but they're. It's like a shared psychosis type of a situation, is what I think. So what we should do, what we should do, is grab Susan, get her the fuck out of here, get her away from Carmela, and uh, take her. Hey, go take her on a vacation or something. You know, um, that's what we should do. Uh, the husband's like, no, fuck that. I'm gonna kill Carmela. That's the be- I think that would work better because, you know, this is my castle and my uh, land, and I don't want her squatting on there, so you know, I'm just going to go, and I'll do that. So the they're like, okay. Uh, the doctor's like, I don't want any part of this. The husband's like, I'm going to go get her right now, you motherfucker. So he gets like, uh, he's starting to get ready. He's like loading his guns and is getting his knives together and shit. Uh, that's when Carmilla and Susan pop up back right there at the... Um, the fucking uh, castle, and they've got that dagger, and Susan is trying to kill the husband, she's like slashing at him with the dagger, and Carmilla's like, get him, get him, you gotta kill him, I can't give you my power until you get him, so big fight, Um, make a long story short, they manage to fight off Carmilla and Susan, they kick him down the stairs, and then uh, um, 
Susan runs out, but Carmilla stays behind. Carmilla kills the doctor because he made the mistake of hanging around. Uh, so that's gross. Kills him. He's out of the equation. Uh, drinks his blood, too, of course. Like, cuts his neck open. Um, the uh, husband is like, oh, shit. So, because now he's got a dead doctor on his hands. So, oh, fuck. So he's thinking he's going to do the smart thing. And because he's living in a place where there's vampires, he's going to wait till the next day. Go go there during the daytime. So he does that. He waits till the next day. Loads up his rifle. Uh, calls up his gardener. And he's like, hey, man, we got to get rid of these fucking vampires. And uh, goes down to the uh, abbey where the crypt is, where Carmilla is staying. Finds her coffin. Pops it open. Carmilla and Susan are both in the coffin naked, which was pretty hot. Um, closes the coffin and then just riddles the coffin with with uh, with just opens fire on the coffin. Unloads like three magazines out of his hunting rifle onto the the coffin. Uh, that would presumably, I, I guess, for the purposes of these vampires, just riddling them with bullets is enough to kill them because there's like blood flowing out of the coffin. Unfortunately, what he didn't consider and what he didn't know was that uh, Carol was like the servant of Carmela. So Carol comes walking in and she's like, ah, shit, you killed Carmela and Susan. And, uh, you know, they were good. They were going to be together. They were going to make me a vampire once I got a little bit older. So fuck. And you killed them both. So then he's like, looking Carol up and down and he sees Carol's got the bite marks too. So then he just shoots Carol in the head (laughs) and that's pretty much the end of your movie right there. Blood spattered bride, man. It's not a bad show. I, I, I rather enjoyed it. Uh, heavy on the, uh, you know, eroticism, softcore lesbian action, uh, heavy on the seventies Bush. They, you know, it was made in 1972. You're gonna you get gonna get some fucking pubes in there. Um, as far as vampire movies go, there are better adaptations of the Karnstein books. Um, I mean, if you if you need one with some lesbian eroticism in it, I think this is probably the way to go. the The original books were about two young girls that kind of came of age together. At, you know, without making out, I don't think. And uh, one of them just happened to be a vampire. So there's that. And then the family moves away and they come back and the girl hasn't aged a day. And she's still a fucking vampire. So there's that. But now they're still, they can still be best friends. <clears throat> um, it's not a bad show. I watched it streaming on Tubi. Like I said, English dubbed. Pretty bad English dubbing, actually. Um, had a very... Paul Nashy vibe to it, but without Paul Nashy, thank Christ. <laughs> I like it. I got a kill count of five. It's not bad. It's a seventies vampire erotic, erotic vampire horror. I can't think of a better way to describe it. Uh, check it out if you feel like it, it mates. I'm gonna take a little break. I'll come back with some other stuff. I wanna feel the heat. I wanna own the night. I wanna feel the beat. I wanna dance tonight. I wanna lose myself. I wanna come alive. I wanna feel the love going to overdrive. I wanna feel the heat.
Hey inmates, if you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I am back, inmates. And that, my friends, concludes Vampire Month here in the uh, Padded Room podcast, which means it's time to roll right into, you guessed it, Werewolf Month. I'm going to try to run us down all the tropes in 2024. We started with vampires doing werewolves in February, probably ghosts or zombies or uh, resurrected monsters. I'm going to do them all. We're doing them all. We got 12 months. Uh, what else do I need? I need. I, obviously, we're going to have to do slashers, right? We're going to have to do zombies. We have to do ghosts. We're going to have to do witches. Probably have to do one month on possessions and then another month on demons, right? Um, what else? Cannibals. We got to do cannibals. We can't get away without cannibals. We got to do aliens. Um, it's, uh, we're going to have a busy year here in 2024, dude. So we're rolling right into werewolves next next month, starting next week, actually. I don't know what I'm talking about. But before we do that, we got to get into a meat hook. Three on a meat hook. This week's meat hook, horror franchises. I don't know why we haven't done this before. What are your top three favorite horror franchises? Now, before I get into mine, let me, um, let, let's me let talk a minute about what exactly qualifies a franchise. And I'm going to go ahead and set the rules right now for what, what you can call in with. I say it's got to be at least four movies. Anything else... Anything less is considered a trilogy or less, right? So I say four. You got to have four movies for it to be a franchise. Um, I'm sure somebody's going to want to argue with me. I'm sure Jason is listening to this, going, "Darian, you stupid fan." No, I say four movies. I think that's fair. Is that not fair? That's fair. We're going four movies. All right, my number three. Oh man, this is one that. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with, to be honest with you. It's the Hellraiser franchise. Love me some Pinhead. If you ask me who my favorite horror villain of all time was, I would probably say Pinhead. He's tattooed on my back, man. Um, But I gotta be honest with you, some of those movies are shit. Um, Actually, quite a few of those movies are shit. Uh, The recent remake... It had some high points, but I I had a hard time getting past the pink Cenobites. That was a bit of an issue for me. Um, I don't mind having a female Pinhead, man. I'm okay with that. I don't mind that at all. But you got to look like Pinhead. You know what I mean? They they didn't look like Cenobites. They looked like, uh, well, they were pink. Dude, I get it. I get what you're going for. You want to show like the, the muscle and the sinew and all that stuff. But why not bring back the black leather? What's wrong with that? I never had a problem with that. That was kind of part of the, the scary part was that 
these things are going to kill you, but they look like they want to fuck you first and not in a way that you are in any way going to enjoy. I don't know. That's what what I always liked the most about Pinhead, really all of those movies, was the concept of a villain that uh, didn't chase you, didn't hunt you down, didn't, uh, you know, uh, you know, bear any grudge against you per se. You you have to find Pinhead. You go to him. That's the worst part of it. And then uh, you have no, you clearly have no idea what you're doing when you open the fucking box. But once it's open, it's too late. <laughs> you're already done. My number three is the Hellraiser franchise. My number two is Friday the 13th. Now, again, highs and lows. You'll find that in any franchise. But uh, I think within the realm of the Friday the 13th movies, as repetitive as they can be, uh, you'll find a lot more high points than you will low points. I think probably Jason Takes Manhattan is probably about as bad as it's going to get. I don't know if you want to consider... Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X as part of the quote-unquote Friday the 13th franchise. It is a continuation of the storyline, but very skewed and uh, with some pretty serious creative liberties taken. But at the same time, um, you know, it's uh, it's got Jason Voorhees in it, and that's kind of like the cornerstone of all things Crystal Lake and Friday the 13th, so why not? Um, if I had to pick, well, my favorite Friday the 13th is always going to be part six. Rise of Undead Jason is, uh, I think, I think about as good as it gets right there. I'm not mad at, uh, I funny thing, since I'm going off on this tangent already, I remembered liking Jason Takes Manhattan and not liking, uh, part seven, The New Blood. Watching him recently with my son, I found it to be the exact opposite. Part 7 was actually pretty good. Part 8 was a big, fat, stinky turd. And Deacon agreed with me. He that Daddy, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know. Why does toxic waste turn Jason back into a baby? Uh, and why is it flowing through the, the sewers of New York? I don't know. I don't know. Not, none of it made sense. Still pretty good all the way around. Um... That's my number two, Friday the 13th. My number one, I'm going to get a lot of shit for, and I don't care. I will fight you. I got to go with the Saw franchise, bros. And there's a lot of repetitiveness there also, but there's also a lot of things that we had never seen before in a horror franchise. Parallel storylines, congruent storylines, all kinds of going back and forth within the timeline, uh, bringing back old characters, killing off new characters. You know, when we found out that Saw 3 and Saw 4 were ha- happening simultaneously, I wasn't a huge fan of Saw 4, but that ending blew my fucking face off, and I think anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. That Dude, we've never seen anything like that. I get it. It's torture porn. It's... uh. Oh, I don't. I didn't think of it as torture porn, but I see why a lot of people said that. Um, it it just uh, you know the whole thing, like even the first Saw movie, at the very end when Tobin Bell gets up, and you're like, oh shit, that motherfucker was alive the whole time, and he's the one that said, oh fuck me, dude, we didn't see anything like that before 
in horror movies. Same thing, same thing with the twist ending in part two. Uh, and then we have, of course, the three and four congruent storylines. And it just goes on, dude. And uh, if I had to pick a favorite out of that franchise, I would probably go part two. Uh, just because of that hypodermic pit, man. It isn't too often that I see something in a horror movie that makes my actual skin involuntarily react like that. That gave me the fucking heebie-jeebies. And thinking about it now, I'm getting them again. Um, I, that, that's my favorite. That's my all-time favorite right there is the Saw movies. I got a Saw tattoo also. I got little Billy. Um, that's your uh, your meat hook for the weekend, mates. Let me know what your top three franchises are. Mental Health Hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Or go to paddedroompodcast.com, hit the email link, and uh, yeah, drop me an email. Tell me to shut up about Saw. Tell, uh, chime in on immersion therapy. Try to guess who I am at the end of the show. That's always a good time. Uh, yeah, so let me know. In the meantime, I think it's Terradome time. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll try to be crazy. I'll kill you all. Let's dream come true. Six year old child with this blind, pale, emotion. The blackest eyes, the devil's To the Terradome. First, last week's winner. For the Asylum Conference Championship, we had Rawhead Rex versus Sammy Kerr. The monster writhed in agony as the electrical current raced through its body. Sammy was hurting it badly and was on the brink of killing it when the electrical grid to the entire village cut out. One of the monster's hypnotized minions had smashed the transformer, leaving Sammy powerless. The monster pounced, and it was all over. With a vote of 6-4, to four, Rawhead Rex advances to the Terradome Championship, dude. That guy is a fucking beast, bro. There's no getting around it. And he, he can do some weird shit. He's peeing on priests, which is a little much, if you ask me. He's hypnotizing entire villages to do his insano uh, bidding. And he's just doing all kinds of property damage, running off with babies. Dude, I don't know why we have not had another Rawhead Rex movie. You know, we got, what do we got? Six Candyman movies. Not that they're bad. Well, speaking of Bananas franchises, but why have we not taken, Hollywood, why have we not taken another look at Rawhead Rex? I'm just asking. All right. Let's get into this week's matchup for the Inferno Conference Championship. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I usually can't read my own handwriting. Tonight is the night. Hellfest had finally arrived in the American Southwest. Valak and his brood had been anticipating the occasion. A rare event that would allow them to intermix with mortals freely, choose their prey from whoever, and feed openly, all under the illusion of a Halloween-themed thrill park. They aren't the only ones waiting for tonight. Another hunter will be entering the proving ground. This one not looking for acceptance or sustenance, just a raw need to spill blood and seeing the perfect opportunity to do it. The crowds are beginning to gather at the gates of Hellfest. Valak and his brood stir in their crypts, and the other sharpens his blades. For the Inferno Conference Championship, we have Valak versus the other. I got to go with Valak on this one, man. The other is, uh, he's a tough customer and a good dad, apparently. But uh, Valak's a fucking vampire, bro. How do you, he can fly. We saw that in Vampires. Um stabbing him with a with a plain old knife I don't think is going to do much. You need James Woods to kill him is really what you need. So I'm going to take Valak on that. Get me your votes by next week. Again, the mental health hotline is area code 775-387-0275 or just go to paddedroompodcast.com and hit the Terradome link. You can vote right there. You don't even have to talk to me if you don't want to. You don't want to talk to me? That's fine. Just hit the link. Click whichever guy you like and then your vote will be uh, sent to me either way. Um, in the meantime, inmates, I think it's time for some, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I got a few movies in this week. I got uh, Suitable Flesh. As I mentioned, I was going to bring this up. Uh, It's from 2023, presently streaming on Shudder, if anybody cares. Now, a couple of thoughts. Number one, not a bad show. Heavy on the uh, 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 Lovecraft. Has a very early to mid-90s vibe to it. Just like in the color palette and um, uh, some of the... I don't know, backdrops and the wardrobe. I don't know if it's supposed to take place in the mid-90s, but it definitely felt like it. Stars Heather Graham and, uh, what's her name, Barbara Crampton. Heather Graham gets naked in this, and she still looks pretty good. And she has many sex scenes in it. Um, It's not bad. I'm going to say it's not a bad show. It's, uh, if you're familiar at all with Lovecraft or his mythos, You'll recognize a lot of names and places. Um, it, it felt like it was probably an adaptation to the thing, an adaptation of the thing at the doorstep more than anything. Um, just featuring Heather Graham getting naked and fucking guys half her age, <laughs> which is uh, those those uh, the boobs come out and it's not she's got to be you know what 50s probably she still looks good barbara crampton's in this one also she looks good too she keeps her clothes on unfortunately i'd rather see barbara crampton naked than heather graham that's just that's just me um all in all not a bad show um 
I'm not going to get it on VHS. I don't understand the need to do so. I know Jason would would fight me if he was here. Uh, I'll probably I might I might grab a Blu-ray when it when it becomes available. It's probably already out there for all I know. Uh, anyway, you can stream it right now on uh, Shutter if you're interested. I say if you're if you're uh, a Lovecraft guy like me, or if you're just in the mood for some Lovecrafty Lovecraft without the tentacles or the Cthulhu or the big silly monster, uh, this would be a good way to go. It's more like a, uh, uh, well, the Necronomicon shows up, so you got that. Uh, I'd, I'd say check it out. I watched that, and I watched also watched a movie called The Hanged Girl from 2023 also. Uh, I think I found this one on Tubi. Um, not very good. Not very good at all. You have a, uh, a group of friends that get together at a, like a historic infirmary or something like that, where um, a girl was hanged, like in the Dark Ages, for possibly being some kind of a heretic during the uh, Inquisition. Um, that's great. That's very creepy. Unfortunately, the story that we went with that, that's the story that we started with. Okay. So we could have done like all this haunted house crap, which would have been awesome. Instead, the story that we went with was one of the friends being Muslim and the rest of the friends kind of ostracizing her for it and her trying to be like this goody little two shoes and everybody else is a racist and a, um, not accepting of her lifestyle and shit like that. It became very social political. Uh, I, I is what I'm getting at. And, uh, it wasn't a very good show. I mean, it, it's great if you want to feel guilty for not being Muslim, then that's a good show for you to watch. There's like zero callback to the hanged girl. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, I read the description of this thing and I thought to myself, okay, uh, haunted, you know, historic Airbnb. I'm into that. Let's get some, some paranormal activity, maybe a possession or some shit. No. It's all just, um, they don't like me because I'm Muslim. And that's that's the end of it. And in actuality, most of the people there did like her. Uh, she just kind of acted, it was, acted like nobody liked her because it, she blamed everything on herself being Muslim. I don't want to, I'm not going to waste any more time on this. It was a shit movie. I'm going to tell you to skip The Hanged Girl. And that's all I am looking at this weekend, mates. How about some immersion therapy? Immersion therapy. Did you get a chance to check out The Last Exit? Not a bad show. Uh, They did telegraph the ending a little bit. That's the only complaint I have about it, really. Um, You got the two robbers showing up in the middle of the night. Uh, The car breaks down. They got to take refuge in the, the house and then... As soon as uh, she wheeled out her vegetable husband and she starts giving him the medication, okay, I see what's going on here. Uh, the robbers, as scary as they are, are actually, uh, they they ran into a house of sickos is, is what's going on. And that's exactly what happened. That's I, w- I was not wrong in that assessment. Um, uh, it's not a bad show. There was some good stuff going on, some suspenseful scenes and... Uh, 
you know, yet there are times when you're wondering who the real asshole is. It's the one who's keeping the guy in a vegetative state with narcotics. That's who the asshole is. The robbers are also assholes, but they're not, uh, you know, human trafficking veggies. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hell for that one. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's about, it's fine. It's worth checking out. Um, that one was streaming on Tubi. If you missed it, check it out. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be No One Will Save You from 2020. Uh, it stars Caitlin Dever and Zach Duhamey, directed by Brian Duffield. Find this one streaming on Hulu. I believe it has something to do with aliens, but I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, haven't seen it yet. Check that shit out, inmates. I will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. In the meantime, it is time for you to educate me. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. Well, I am setting up a medical practice in a small town, and everything was going pretty smoothly. I thought I was going to have a pretty boring job until a dead body came back from the, the Amazon, I think, and it was had something in it. And now that thing is out, and it's spreading and reproducing, and it's really fucking up this small town. Good thing we have a professional on on staff here to deal with this exact type of thing, and it's John Goodman, and he's here to kick some ass and take some names. I am, of course, Arachnophobia. That is a good movie. That's another one that will make your, your skin crawl. That's a good one to take a date to if you want her to... Uh, just climb all over you and <laughs> freak out because chicks hate spiders, obviously. Um, it's a good show. It's more of a horror comedy, I would say, than anything. Uh, who might I be this week, you ask? Well, I am a bit of a scumbag. And I uh, work... I, I guess I'm like a talent scout for a shitty cable TV network. And basically what I'm looking for... Uh, I'm looking for shows... Out of an international market, uh, basically, I'm looking for smut. Is what I'm, I'm looking for porno to put on my cable channel. And uh, in the in the course of that, I got asked to do a talk show where I met a lady who introduced me to a guy, and then we had sex. And she likes it when I stick her with pins and cut her with razors. Very weird. And uh, turns out the guy she introduced me to is just a fucking video guy. Of uh, it's, he's just a, he's just a, he's not a real person. He's just a video. You know what I'm saying? Of a guy, <laughs> I can't even explain it. God damn, if I didn't grow a vagina in the middle of my stomach during the course of all this shit, who might I be? You ask. Tune in next week, and I'll drop some knowledge on you, inmates. In the meantime, I think that's about it for me. Thank you very much for joining me, as usual, inmates. Your patronage is always very much appreciated. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you found this show. It helps my visibility quite a bit. Uh, do have a Patreon campaign running. If anybody gives a shit, just go to paddedroompodcast.com. You'll find all the information you need about me. Any of my lackluster co-hosts that I've had over the years... 
um, how to get a hold of me, how to subscribe to the Patreon page, how to vote on the Terra Dome. It's all there, and it'll be updated whenever Jason gets around to it. So <laughs> there's that. I expect it could possibly by, be by next week's show. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, in the meantime, join me next week for I Am Lisa kicking off Werewolf Month here in the padded room. Uh, hopefully we can find some good werewolf movies because I can only think of two off the top of my head right now. And uh, we're going to dig deep in the dirt of the werewolf mythos and f- hopefully find you some good ones. Uh, other than that, I think that's it for Jason and Absentia, Buddy and Absentia, uh, werewolves, vampires... Horny vampires, 1970s pubic hair. I'm glad that went away, to be honest with you. That is like a stink trap down there. Uh, and the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over.